five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Reset Poem Podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, the voice that occasionally tilts, both online and in person. Uh, joined virtually by Omni at Omni Strafe and Sam at another Sam Chan. Welcome, gentlemen. Double the teams, double the losses to discuss, right? Is, is that like a new slogan for Double Bubble or I hope Juicy not. Fruit? I hope not. Is it juicy fruit? Like I, we're going off the rails real quick. Is it juicy fruit that's double the it's double mint fun? Oh, double mint. Okay, I mean, same company though, Wrigley's. Yeah, all sorts of different gums, and then there's like double bubble, which is like the double the pleasure, double the fun stuff. Wrigley's kind of owns all the gum, right? Low-key, a monopoly. <laughs> they probably own our gums. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They yeah. They do. Um, but no, we're not here to talk about gum. We're here to talk about uh, the Overwatch League and specifically the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, who uh, got an opportunity to try to get themselves into the double knockout portion of the Overwatch League playoffs. And, uh, as uh, Omni has already alluded to, didn't go so well. So we're going to go, you know, break down what it is that we took from uh, the matches that we uh, we saw, or the vods that we watched, and uh, from there uh, sort of move forward. Before we actually get into the episode, though, if you were looking for a complete postmortem of the season, that's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen next week. Uh, it's something that we'll do sort of once the season concludes. Uh, we want to sort of give an opportunity to allow things to, to happen. Obviously, the Overwatch League uh, is still uh, going on playoff-wise, uh, but we will spend all the necessary time talking about the Vancouver Titans, uh, recapping everything that was and wasn't, as well as the Toronto Defiant, and then from there, uh, ensure that each episode gets its due. But... Let's do uh, you a solid and get you directly to the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. Okay, I'm going to say it right off the bat. Did the Vancouver Titans lose to the eventual grand champions, Washington Justice? Yes. If there were points where I thought this might be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely up there, not down here with <laughs> the Titans and, and the Defiant as we yeah. thought. You know, we on the you and I had sort of talked about, and we'll get more into the this in the fray. We had talked about how if the Titans were to somehow, you know, win and get in, or if the uprising were to win to get in, and like all bets are off, craziness is going to ensue. Right. I don't think the two of us ever envisioned the craziness as it, as it subsequently was. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, it did not include the Vancouver Titans. Oh. Uh, the Vancouver Titans went up against the Washington Justice, who tried to play pre-game the under dog card and uh, suffice to say uh decay is the world's best zarya yeah this was reminiscent of like sinatra play from hey, is the two. overwatch league's best zarya okay Ooh. fair play fair play uh considering you know summon sue is currently that uh, guy that guy who plays job. valorant too yeah. yeah i you know the the titans went back to some of their what we've called wacky strats like yep. they they I, and I, you know i don't know what to take from this obviously no one truly knew what the meta would be like even the casters were talking about like what we're seeing you know from the justice might be built around uh, decay as an individual and um and then you know that empowers stitch for instance to fill yep. the role that you know we thought decay would um but we've seen what Washington is doing very similarly be applied by the Boston uprising and, and, you know, subsequent other, other teams in the overwatch league. So how is it that the Vancouver Titans misread the meta so wrong? Uh, there are two parts to it. I don't think that there is at least not at this point, like a singular meta. And we did see a lot of, even the successful teams, uh, you know, switch around, play the Hog Zarya, uh, play a little bit of that Monkey Diva. The problem with the Titans, though, it seems they were too rigid. It's like whenever our Titans reverted to their losing ways, they they lose all notion of synergy. And it happens a lot when they get, like, try something once and twice and they, they hit a wall. This time this wall was a DK Zarya that nobody did expect. And I think we talked about 
how we anticipate him to pop off on DPS. Well, that didn't happen because he was on that. Well, Zarya, his Zarya at least was kind of a DPS. Uh, a lot of it came down in my eyes, the you know, to us having KSA and Shredlock, and and unlike some other teams, our tank lineup is not as flexible to maybe play two off tanks at some positions, and there was the 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 sombra issue that was creeping up again when whenever we try to and, and there were good fights for the titans i mean we we constantly get those you know um shockwave picks initially but then it kind of flips over and, and we lose again yeah in omni's note he wrote rigid i wrote not flexible they basically mean the same thing i think <laughs> at, at the, the end of the day thing, the same thing the end of the day this team is just not deep enough they don't it's not that they they aren't adapting to the meta. They don't have they don't have the people. They don't have the skill sets to to do multiple looks. So even when they try, they don't look good. And when they try and force, honestly, a lot of the guys, their best positions, they're still just league average. And mm-hmm. league average isn't going to cut it in the playoffs. So there you get the results that we see. Um, there, there are hints of promise, but we've been talking about hints of promise for what feels like a decade now when reality, of course, it's only four or five months. So maybe I'm being a little bit harsh, but you know, the league moves very, very fast. And if you're not moving along with it, if you're not flexing out to two, three heroes deep, when you're, when you're a seven roster team, you know, game over and that's it. And now the Titans get to hang out with us, just like us, not playing in Owl. Hey, I'm still playing this weekend, so I don't know <laughs> and the you. Titans might be playing you. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, <laughs> it's true. So, you know, the Washington Justice beat the Vancouver Titans 3-0. It was a, a match of three Overwatch. When I, when I was watching, Oasis sucked the life out of me. Oh, I lost yeah. complete faith watching the Vancouver Titans throw themselves against the wall that was the pocket decay and then, you know, not adapt. So, yeah, maybe, you know, what the two of you have said in being either too rigid or not flexible enough, lacking the depth um, required for them to sort of roll out what it was they felt that they could best win with. And I, you know, we've talked about this even last year where. If you can't run the meta, try something that will work, that will allow you to have success. Treadlock on Winston is never it. Like, I don't think we've no. seen the Vancouver Titans play well on dive. At least this roster. I mean, I, I thinking back, every time that we've seen success, success often had Shredlock on an Orissa, or um, and then having tanks almost pocketed by support, allowing your your DPS in Dalton and Shockwave to go in and harass and get those picks. Every opportunity that the Vancouver Titans were to use to try to either dive or become aggressive, tanks get out of the line of support, support drop. Like How many times was, again, Karkar dead? And I, I'm not going to fault Karkar there. Yeah, maybe better position, what have you. But the Vancouver Titans had no means to keep support up. And once yeah, card card drop. The card, you know, House of Cards fell. Uh, most of the time it was two bone on uh, the Sombra, and we didn't really have something to match that aggression, both in the back and in the front. Well, and that's the thing, though, is like we've seen uh, Dalton play Sombra. Right. Right. right? And I, 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 this is where I kind of wonder, like, why not try you know, adapt or try it? Like, they, they eventually tried Hog, Hog Zarya way mm-hmm. too late um and it, again this is sort of goes back to that goats like if it wasn't going to work i'm not going to fault them for not going with what what washington was pumping out but you know it's just it was just frustrating to see and then on top of that like you know looking at Nambani, where the vancouver titans arguably should have had a third point cap yeah. that should they should have got the payload all the way but decay came out and said yeah no thanks that's not going to happen stitch was essentially you know playing with his alt on cooldown uh, Right. And the Vancouver Free shooting range out there, right? I yeah. think yeah, additionally, like I don't know why, but I, why would you play Diva on that map? Like KSA spent more time on Numbani outside of his mech instead of in it. Every hey, fight, he just baby, went out. Of his baby mech. Diva is pretty decent. <laughs> that that blaster, right? Right. 
And Duquesne was always, almost always at max charge. Yeah. Like, well, it's because you you, you got to you got to shoot those bubbles, right? Just you got to break them, get them off them, so you can feel the damage <laughs> yeah. you want to. I, I so like Nambani hurt, and then to watch the Volskaya, where the Vancouver Titans actually on their attack do really well, pushing point one, almost snowball point two, and then right. when the snowball doesn't work, it's like oh well, decay. Patrick Demko. Yeah. Yeah, so for like the, the Vancouver Canucks fans out there, mm. he has a button where he just you know go up, goes up a level. Yeah, I just it was it was frustrating, and but yet the best way I can describe what we saw was everything that we saw with this roster leading up to that point. Like almost mm-hmm. all of the frustrations came out in a you know very quick three Overwatch match. Yeah. Again, a, a lot of it comes down, and, and you did mention uh, Stitch, and we said like, "Oh, Stitch, he's not really uh, playing that well." But we, we always knew that there is a potential there once uh, you put the right pieces around him. He's not that carry hero, but when you do have a carry, well, that makes his life much much easier. And kind of like what happened to Dalton when when we uh, improved a little bit. Yeah. And another, you know, uh, thing to mention is is Janus Hog was really really on point the entire match as oh, yeah. well. Um, you know, I, I, I had suggested that Janu wanted to feed stitch was doing all the feeding Janu though. Janu was just going and disrespecting. Like he's like, yeah, yeah. you're a moth. Let, let's bat you out of the air. It was, <laughs> oh. yeah. Every time that the decay bubble was on him, he was just smurfing the, the entire match. Like he's smurfing this entire season. Yeah. It, it, you know, there, I'm, and I'm, Reminiscing here, imagine a world where those two actually played on a team together that we supported. Mm. Imagine if that was possible. I mean, we we could just add the justice to our plethora of teams. I don't actually. I don't even know if there is a podcast for watching injustice. (laughs) Maybe we have to. Maybe maybe we become the podcast for every team. Tune into the next episode. That's ten hours long. Just ready, set, bandwagon. I was about to offer uh, adding the Boston Uprising after they beat well, them. <laughs> since, yeah. since the weekly Uprising. Or you where, need to uh, win two games for there to be a bandwagon. One no, game is what we call a true. fluke. Ready, set, bandwagon. Yeah, that'd be a pretty yeah. cool podcast. I should go out and register that now. Um, anything else that we want to say about this this three Overwatch against the eventual Grand Champions, Washington Justice? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Have it's, a good summer. Yeah, it, or whatever. It, it's that's how rough it was, which thankfully, maybe not as happily, takes us to the Toronto Defiant to playing the uh, the Gladiators. Yeah. So if Decay showing up on Zarya, uh, you know, threw people for a loop, I can't imagine what the world thought when Hugilides was showing as being in the the starting lineup. Um, If for some reason you didn't catch this, Agility's played Roadhog. And frankly, not bad. The the bright spot in that squad, I think. You know, with with giving the entire thing away, there was one map that Agility's did not play. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily believe Agility's was the problem. Like, it... You know, let's you know breaking this down. The the Los Angeles Gladiators um, selected the Toronto Defiant first and foremost, so that was almost a disrespect because LA got to choose first and they chose Toronto over the Uprising and the Justice. Like they had choice here and they chose the Defiant. So the Defiant had this this chip on their shoulders. Now we had talked, you know, I mean, I had, had, and said that it was possible that the gladiators would either be glads or sads, and depending on which one showed up, Toronto had an opportunity. When we saw in the early going uh, the hugility start to pop off, it looked quite clear to me that Toronto had this one in the bag, but it was where Hog limited agility's ability to play alternative tanks that then gave them trouble, uh, whether it be on Hollywood or, or on Anubis. Um, but Dorado, the sustain of hog allowed them to, to get that map win, which then yeah. has me wondering why get rid of hog on Lee Jang? 
Yeah, especially when the entire match, OG just flipped between the ball and the Winston. Both are kind of countered by uh, a good hog play. Not really sure why. I, I guess it's the strat. I mean, I don't want to make it's it sound like... Fancies. Yeah, it's not that the last map wasn't close or that number. Oh, no, it, yeah. it was. It came right down. It's I just know. that, to me, the Toronto Defiant looked much more dominant on Ilios than they really did on Li Jiang. Now, arguably different maps and the the meta that you would see on, on Li Jiang is going to differ from, from Ilios. Like, let, let's be honest. I, I should accept that. It's just an interesting change to make at that point where you you bring Numlocked in for for Agilities, who's acquitted himself quite well. Uh, if it, like I, I kind of wonder why wouldn't they have not made that change on Anubis? Like, like yeah. I don't know if it, Hog's a good Anubis pick. They were trying to be fancy. I don't think Numlocked is ever the right clutch play. Sorry, dude. Hmm. So. Also, Zick came off the uh, Farah for the Sombra a couple of times, and he was also playing really out of his mind. Well, and until he got into Sombra, yeah, right. Like this, so this is where, like, you look at him playing Sombra. Where's sure for? Like, it, it, I, I mean, I presume Zick must have performed better in in scrims on, yeah, on Sombra I, or within the lineup or, or the depth of hero pool for a variety of, of situations. Like this is a question that's been asked for yeah. a few weeks. Uh, I don't think Scherfer is like even considered able to play. Like I'm being uh speculative. Here, play. I don't think he's ever in the plans anymore. There's no something yeah, going on there because he's still doing coaching sessions for the fans. Because there's no reason why, uh, with this meta in particular, where you have uh, even the Reaper, where he was like one of the best Reapers when that was a thing, uh, you know, uh, or or the Ash. It's like, yeah, he's not gonna play anymore. I don't even think they're gonna resign him if if. If he if he even shows up for season three, but that's for another show. Yeah, yeah. Like we've in this weekend, we've literally seen pretty much every single character be played by one mm -hmm. team or another to some varying level of success. I'd argue the one that wasn't successful was just the Genji, but <laughs> other than that, like we 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 saw like a little bit of good. Axel left the chat. <laughs> we saw some Reaper. We've <laughs> obviously seen a lot of Sombra. Like you know, there's. You know, if he wasn't going to play now, he's not going to play. Yeah. Well, I at this point, sure, because they're out, they're done. I, I, I just, you know, when I when I saw the substitution, like they lay on the the desk, they're like, "Oh, there's a substitution." I presume sure for for Zik. Like I, and I'm not suggesting Zik comes out. Like I, I again, I, I, I don't get the this the switches it was. So yeah, maybe there is more to this story that we're not aware of. Um. And maybe it's how, again, scrims played out. Like it, we as podcasters only know as much as what we see and what we hear and then what we're told. We don't know more than we know. Yeah. Maybe he'll show up on RSP squad. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's the newest member of team RSP. It's I should have like, I emoji this, this podcast episode and, you know, <laughs> just start things. Te tease the announcement. Yeah. Um, if I have one saving grace, though, is the Toronto Defiant did look against the Gladiators as a team that is starting to, you know, get itself past the gate of bottom tier to mid tier. And once they're in that mid tier, it allows them to progress forward. I will concede it's unfortunate that that really took place at the end of a season when next year things will be so different. Well, I think to give them credit for a little bit, they definitely played harder uh, during the playoffs. We were giving them quite a bit of grief leading up to the season end about, you know, not the, not that they were in any position to throw matches, but they just didn't seem to care um, because they were so busy preparing for the playoffs. And I, I guess we saw it for, I don't know, five maps. We, we we got our five map defiant game, so so that's that's at least on par. We need some sort of regularity in this crazy world today. Yeah. So the Toronto Defiant lost three two to the LA Gladiators, and just like the Vancouver Titans, they are out. That said, 
any final words that you want to share about that match before we, we move right along? Uh, this match was like the culmination of this entire season. It was like fine in some ways, but it was also really bad. And ultimately it wasn't enough. So that's kind of like a good uh, uh, micro uh, look at this entire season for them, unfortunately. And I don't think that this experiment could be defined as success, a successful one, The at least, you know, the season three defined uh, roster, that is. Well, first of all, it's almost as if you just repeated the exact same words that I used to describe my experience <laughs> Titans in this match. Um, but you could almost argue that the two teams went through a transformation, one that was an extreme transformation over another, yeah. and that was due to extraordinary circumstances and a variety of other factors. What we saw in those final matches was the culmination of all of that coming to head the vancouver titans three overwatch but at least the toronto defiant kicking and screaming losing three two we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh the season in a short moment but as we sort of move forward let's talk about some news that's going on in the world of the titans as well as the defiant so the titans takedown tournament is still a thing um it's a thing that's supposed to get real uh this weekend where the qualifying teams of which I, to be honest, lost track of, there aren't enough. I think they were looking for 16 qualifiers and I want to say they maybe got like 10. Yeah. Um, I have received absolutely no information officially. Um, I did reach out to the Vancouver Titans and was told that news should come out on Wednesday, which means as per podcast lore, all the greatest news breaks on a Wednesday when the episode goes live. But it's not like I'm upset that the news is being shared on Wednesday. They've known the qualifiers since this weekend. Like that, it, they knew who was qualifying. Check in and you're in. So it, it's interesting that this structure is such that they can't go and put a bracket together, that they can't put a schedule together until midweek of a, of a week where there's a long weekend. Um, I provided feedback that, you know, for team RSP, we are people with lies. Like we need, we want to, you know, schedule our own life. Oh, thanks for the compliment. It's not going to revolve around (laughs) takedown. I mean, let's be honest here. As much as we know, we're going to go and be the team that plays the, you know, Vancouver Titans. Um, we're not. <laughs> Damn it. You just recruited Surefor. What are you talking about? Wait, hey, oh, that's yeah. not official yet. That that's supposed to be the you know breaking news. We announced the signing of Surefor, similar hey. to how Toronto announced Zick and the Titans announced Shockwave. Are you benching me right now? <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see how the scrims go. Maybe you can pull Zick. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, no, the, the Titans takedown's happening this weekend. Um I would imagine someone from Team RSP will stream, we'll share that news through social, and when we learn more about what the brackets might be, we'll, again, get it out there through social as quick as we can. Um, I would encourage you, if you have questions as well, jump into the Titans Takedown Discord server, ask those questions, and see if you can get answers, because the few of us who have have not. Um, But yeah, it is sort of what it is. It is a thing. Other Titans news. Uh, This one, I'm surprised it's news, but there have been reports shared that Shockwave will become a free agent at the conclusion of the season. Now, why this seems surprising to many um, has me curious, because when you think about what went on in Vancouver, where the Titans pressed a reset button in the middle of the season in a pandemic, and then proceeded to go and acquire players to complete the season... I don't see why the Vancouver Titans would have signed long-term contracts. Like that's not to suggest that they didn't see value in some of these players, but I view what occurred here as a tryout for season three yeah, or season four of Owl, depending on how you look at it. So shockwave being a free agent makes sense. Now the Vancouver Titans are rolling the dice and they're accepting that they might uncover a diamond in the rough, say a shockwave or a Dalton or KSA, whomever it might be, whomever we might suggest is the diamond in the rough. But you, you, you expect that that's going to occur and you make an offer that you feel is adequate or you talk about your plans moving forward. So if you hear a listener of our podcast who are like, Oh my God, the Vancouver Titans are throwing next year. Cause they didn't sign shockwave to multi year deal. If I was running the team, I wouldn't have. I would have provided myself the greatest amount of flexibility going into the f- subsequent season. And that's not me suggesting I go and I let every other player that I sign go. 
You simply want flexibility to restart and restart the right way. Not, hey, we've decided it's not working out, so let's just go and get rid of everyone and then try to find the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the news is actually that <laughs> it leaked that Shockwave is a free agent because like you, I imagined everybody to be up for grabs mm-hmm. along with probably... 65 70% of the entire league to be honest with you um but i i don't know like in in traditional sports when a leak like this kind of happens like usually it's the agent playing games so maybe this is kind of the way you know shockwaves camp is is going hey like pay up okay honest do you think that the vancouver titans have already had conversation with shockwave or his representation or really anyone's representation at this point for next year I mean, oh, no. Shockwave's carrying everybody's <laughs> bag on the team, so. Uh, yeah, I don't think that they have that had that conversation, just knowing how the team operates. But if I was Shockwave and, and or his agent, right, like this season for them, it wasn't about, you know, oh, we're loyal to this team and we're going to do the best we can. It's not about that. No, They're just trying good. to secure their role and there are not a lot of, you know, spots available in the Overwatch League. And if there is a guy that I'm confident that's going to show up for this, you know, for the next season, if there is one, it's going to be Shockwave. I'm sure there's quite a lot of teams interested in him. He had shown always, all, all every game, that he has that potential to be like a, a really, really good player on a successful team. Yeah. You know, and I don't, yeah, I don't fault Shockwave and representation looking mm-hmm. to secure the bag. Go get it. In fact, you're probably going to be able to go and uh, play a few teams against each other to, yeah. to get the best situation. You know, I, I, and you're right. Of all the players on the roster, he's probably top of the list. That's not discounting again the Daltons, the KSAs. No. Um, you know, this is this was a tryout. This was an opportunity that you know the two tier two teams that are in the Titans takedown are doing. They're using this as an opportunity to showcase themselves and potentially get scouted. The difference is that this sort of tier two roster that got pulled in last minute got to play three quarters of a overwatch league season against overwatch league pros. So yeah, heck of a tryout. Yeah. The uh, last news to share is actually on the defiant side and it's somewhat similar to what we were just talking about topic wise. Um, but um, a couple of things that uh, came from uh, Adam Adamu again, he joined us uh, a number of episodes ago. And if for some reason you aren't entirely sure who he is, um, he's actually the co-founder and part of the over, uh, ownership group for Active media. They're the owners of the Toronto defiant, the Toronto ultra, the mad lions. Um, I believe he's chief of strategy is, is, is a uh, title or chief strategy officer. So the first thing that he had actually shared uh, uh, just this week is um, a number of sort of facts about the different uh, properties underneath the uh, the OAM banner. And uh, he mentioned that uh, the Ultra, which is the, the Call of Duty League uh, franchise, and the Toronto Defiant were either one or two in league revenue and two or three in skin sales. Now, he didn't clearly say which team was in spot one or two or spot two or three but in making this claim you know first and foremost that's huge for what we have to consider a canadian market like you think of all of the markets that uh, the overwatch league or the call of duty league are in canadian markets aren't big our population isn't significant enough to be competitive in that sense internationally numbers start to add up but to see, like, let's say conservatively, the Defiant are number two in league revenue and number three in skin sales. Yeah. I'm going to have uh, two takes on this. One, probably the of the lower likelihood is that fact that, like, yeah, they did sign a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, players that people like, uh, very popular uh, signings like Shore for at the beginning of the year, maybe Nevix. Uh, and they did... Uh, invest a lot in marketing and investments, uh, sorry, in marketing and and their image and branding. They did do all the right moves even with us when they could. Uh, The second being, it's just that, well, I assume the first uh, team in in skin sales would be the Florida Mayhem and just that it's a nice color scheme. And (laughs) that's my suspicion, like the black and red really looks well Mm -hmm. and i i just assume that the majority of like the millions of players who play overwatch have no clue who uh sure for is definitely they don't know who uh zik is 
and they just go into that Overwatch League skin uh, sub menu, and they see, oh wow, black and red—that's that's pretty awesome, and it looks good in every character. <laughs> and I think that's that could be it. I think the coolest skins by far are still the Spark, um, the, the, but, the pink and blue. Yeah, or... yeah, but but you're right in that Mayhem could have taken it this year because they got brand new skins. Novelty. Well, the Miami Vice colors. Yeah, yeah. No, the novelty for the Spark kind of wore off for me. Uh, yeah, start, yeah, but but I mean the, I I I I too have two thoughts. I think first of all, it's good for them, good for the yeah, org. Definitely. Um, they like I I did have sources early on back. Remember when we were talking about home stands? Like, remember mm-hmm. how that was a thing for a minute? Sorry, um, I don't believe you. They were never um, the the Toronto home stands were one of the most successful in terms of pre sales and and mm-hmm. things like that. I I don't think I'm leaking anything at this point. It's nobody's remembering that anyway anymore. But they were looked to as one of the groups that were doing quite well and one of the measurement points. Yeah. Um. And so that kind of fan fandom and fan engagement, I presume to have carried on to whatever the rest of their revenues mean. I don't exactly even know what league revenues mean. Mm-hmm. Um, is it sponsorships? Is it jersey sales? Like, I guess, right? But, um, but like they did grow to have a pretty sustainable fan following, um, and so that's credit to the org. So the other thing that that's more, I guess, more on the negative side is it, the statement just feels very much like a a big fish in small pond kind of feeling, because like I think I think because I hear so many statements like this, there's obvious terms that pop out of me one thing is there i hesitate to even use bragging but reporting um we're talking about revenue so that's not profit i Mm -hmm. highly question whether anybody was profitable this year and and so you know it might be like a if i'm being really negative it sounds like a best of the worst scenario you know Mm -hmm. you know you look we're at the top of the list of a lot of people who didn't make the the revenue that they were supposed to this year for owl due to very very obvious reasons right i'm not i'm not blaming anybody um but but i think it just it just shows that the league itself has has a long way to go as well Mm -hmm. right because i think it's a huge credit to to toronto um but in a world where there's you know shanghai where there's seoul where there's where there's i'd argue even like Guangzhou and 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 london and and new york and these kind of massive markets and and toronto is your kind of leading revenue getter like that's that kind of actually hurts credibility for the league right and this this isn't a world where i'd rather to see toronto be like seventh or sixth or fifth but they're all making profit not just revenue Mm -hmm. right so so i'm not again i'm not really dissing them you know, it's kudos to them, but I think for the league to do well, I think Seoul needs to pop off. I think those Chinese teams need to pop off. I think the the LA and the New Yorks need to do really well. And that's the only kind of long-term success, right? Oh. Because if we look at MLB, for example, like how much money does the Yankees pull in compared to well, the Kansas Yan- City? Yeah, the New York Yankees could arguably fund like the bottom third of the teams in the, you know, salary tax that they probably pay like you're right you know we, we had this conversation in in reset phone discord uh, when when adam had shared this news and i had said that there's sort of two different ways to look at on the revenue side one i think it's good news for toronto like you you want to be there at the top but to your point sam are we talking about the best of not so good i don't think anyone was necessarily going into the first few seasons of the overwatch league thinking that they were going to be turning a profit i mean if they were great and hopefully they were able to go and get close to it or execute upon it that'd be phenomenal we don't we don't know the numbers they're not given to us again um but without knowing that it's hard to really understand so what i in turn did is sort of started to extrapolate what i see adam saying is going on in toronto and what we've seen going on here in vancouver and it using the canadian market isn't as its own sort of uh you know pinpoint uh, area is you have one team that's successful and another team that's not so much so what are the differences toronto has embraced and fostered a strong community the Vancouver Titans, even when they were successful last season, didn't really embrace or foster the community. The community sort of just showed up. And then when everything went down as it did this year, we saw the community then, you know, largely left. Those who stuck around um, would probably tell you they've seen some signs of light. But again, it it's really been roughshod. 
sure, pandemic gets in the way of that, but the Toronto Defiant have been dealing with the pandemic. And then to your earlier point about sort of their their um, homestand ticket sales, I mean, look at all of their events that they've held. Their announcement event, they packed in an, a venue in Toronto. Like it looked like an awesome environment. It was a party. And then I think back to Omnistream of the Vancouver Titans reveal. It didn't feel like a party. It felt like a bunch of kids sitting in a booth and people who knew them going up and saying hello. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't feel Sounds like... like my party. <laughs> it, 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 didn't, it didn't feel like an event. Like, I autograph signings for the Toronto Defiant, they feel like events. I've never been to one, yet what I see and what I hear, it, it feels like something you want to be part of. So I think what Toronto is doing is probably indicative of what a lot of other teams that if, if they've struggled with need to sort of look towards, say, hey, maybe this is what we need to do. At the end of the day, I mean you need to build your community because without that, your foundation is strong. And when something goes crazy as Vancouver Titans fans saw, everything falls apart. Yep. Not inviting Chris to my birthday party. His standards are too high. Way too high. Huh? Way too are high. you going to like give out signatures in your party? Mm, for a price tag. Well, that's, that's how Sam rolls. He wants profit. The other news that Adam shared uh, on social media, and that uh, came out today, that being Tuesday, we're recording Tuesday night. Uh, so the day previous, if you're listening on Wednesday or, or subsequent days, um, I'm just going to read a couple of the tweets. He had sort of shared a, a few of them. Uh, the first tweet, though, is the fact of the matter is that we need our Toronto teams to perform better. We want to be top four in each of our leagues. Performance requires a great combination of scouting strategy and player development. On the Toronto Defiant side, our performance has not been acceptable, and I accept the blame for that. Our strategy lacked focus, we didn't develop our players, and our strengths were reactive. We're going to take a hard look, and we will be making some difficult decisions soon. As someone from the outside looking in, yes, I don't think anyone would question that some of these tough decisions are going to be made, but isn't it somewhat of a breath of fresh air to have a senior stakeholder coming out and being straight up like that. Like, you know, we see a little bit in the Overwatch League and other, you know, esports leagues. The the franchises that seem to do well are the ones where they have senior stakeholders, sort of the faces of the franchise coming out and and, and almost talking straight. And again, you might say, well, he didn't tell us anything straight. Yeah. You're right. But look at a, if you're a Vancouver Titans fan, when do you get that? You get that like three days after the news is already broken based on a statement that's been PR'd to death. Like I Soul Dynasty are an example of Genji where we see this type of straight talk, this ownership. Um, we see this out of San Francisco. Like Again, franchises that are having some modicum of success in different ways are the ones that have the most, I don't want to say invested senior stakeholders, because I'm sure there are some that are, that are, but the ones that seem to have the strong following, the strong community, there might be something there to that. That's all I'm getting hmm. at. Sounds like a white paper. Hmm. <laughs> Brought to you by RSP. Yeah. How many white papers have you authored? I think mm. Sam needs to do an RSP white paper. The only white papers I have will just have like pizza grease on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> that works. It's not that really works. white anymore. Is it? <laughs> It's more like transparent, right? It's stained. Unless it's like that red grease you get off the pepperoni. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> Anywho, no, it's it, back to the, the point, you know, Adam has come straight up and said, this is, you know, what we're going to do. And, and if you listen to that episode, and we refer to it often, but if you listen to that episode where Adam joined us, um, you'll find that what you're seeing from him on Twitter is, is the real deal. It's exactly how he approaches, um, you know, the, the franchises um, he is an invested uh, uh, senior stakeholder, you know, co-founder owner. And um, hopefully we can maybe, you know, get him on again in the near future to talk a little bit about what some of those, those plans uh, you know, might be after they do that thorough review. Yeah. We'll take ourselves a short break here and uh, get ourselves into the fray.
into the fray. Having talked all about the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant being dispatched early from the Overwatch League playoffs, uh, I thought we would go and quickly uh, recap the uh, playoffs that were. Now, as we sort of discussed last episode, because of the bracket system, it's a little bit sort of discombobulated, but, you know, let's sort of quickly go through. The uh, the playoff NA playoff round one, which took place on Thursday, you had the Boston Uprising beat the Houston Outlaws 3-1. The Boston Uprising surprisingly looked really strong, and then the Washington Justice beat the Living Daylights out of the Vancouver Titans 3-0. On the Friday in playoff round two, the LA Gladiators got to choose first, and out of the Boston Uprising and the Washington Justice, they chose the Toronto Defiant, beating the Defiant, as we already know, 3-2. The Atlanta Reign, well, they chose the Boston Uprising over the Washington Justice, and they did beat the Boston Uprising 3-1, though that score does not sort of indicate how well Boston actually played against the Reign. Um... The Dallas Fuel were left with the Washington Justice, which was unfortunate for them because they got three overwatched by uh, by Washington. Again, eventual grand champions. Yeah. Going over tasty. to playoffs round three on uh, on Saturday. So the, the Philadelphia Fusion, they picked the LA Gladiators. The Florida Mayhem, they picked uh, the, uh, or sorry, the San Francisco Shock picked the Justice. Paris Eternal picked the uh, the Reign. Uh, the Florida Mayhem picked the, the LA Valiant because that's what they had to do. I mean, that's Again, based on how things all broke down. Fusion got past the Gladiators 3-0. So the Gladiators bounced themselves into the loser's bracket. The Valiant squeaked by the Florida Mayhem 3-2. So the Mayhem went down to the loser's bracket. The San Francisco Shock got a hell of a run for their money. They did win 3-2. So close. But that might have been the the loss that then had uh, the Shock go undefeated the rest of the way to a final. Because... It could have gone either way. And the Atlanta Reign beat the Paris Eternal 3-2 in another close match. Yeah. This then took us down to two loser bracket matches where you had the Florida Mayhem matchup against the LA Gladiators, the Paris Eternal matchup against the Justice. Well, the Florida Mayhem 3 overwatched the LA Gladiators. And the Washington Justice 3 overwatched the Paris Eternal. Like, Oni, you and I had said there were three teams that were going to fight for yeah. the Philly. Philly uh, San Francisco and Paris. And I got to say, I think there's still three teams that are going to fight their way. To the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it is blue and red. You guys were half right. Yeah. yeah. Wrong country though. Like, I mean, the, the Washington justice have found a meta that works and there doesn't seem to be really a team on the NA side, save for so far the shock that have an answer for it. Now you might argue, well, wait, we have not seen the fusion play them yet. And I, I'll concede we haven't, but I don't see those two teams matching up uh, anytime soon um, because you have the fusion beating the valiant and the shock beating the rain. So those two teams will, will play next. And you have the Valiant having to take on the Washington Justice. Yeah. I don't see that. And we have the Atlanta rain taking on the Florida mayhem. And yeah, I, you know, we'll get into sort of who is going to win, but I don't see either one of those teams beating the Washington Justice either. Like this, this arguably is going to come down to the Washington Justice versus the loser of the Fusion Shock match, getting the second spot going off to again Korea. I don't. Again, I don't know if it's officially been announced that it's Korea. Like, am I wrong here? Like, well, we we still don't know which Korea it is, too. So. <laughs> I mean, we don't know which country it is. Could be, yeah. could be Vietnam. Could be, you know, oh, the, Canada. Oh yeah, totally. Because that's Canada's in Asia. Years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Geography lessons for you, my son. Um, you know, looking at the NA right again before we go to Asia back because it's distinctly different. Surprising that Justice are doing as yeah. well as they are, but I don't think anyone had ever expected one decay to suddenly become the world's greatest yeah. Zarya. In the Overwatch League, the and Valiant are scrambling about now. I think, like, to come up with a counter. Well, and here's the thing, though: every team knows and sees what the Justice are doing, and they can't, can't stop it. No, like, I mean, granted, you're seeing uh, the likes of Stitch popping off, Janu playing a, a solid hog, um, Tuba doing really well. Like, I get, like, we're, we're Arc being Arc. Yeah, okay, cool. Like, they're they're sort of being elevated but this doesn't feel like a Cinderella run. Like I know it's being promoted as one, but it just, it feels like kind of like how 
the justice got at the end of stage four last season where Stratus and Corey started clicking heads, popping off. But unfortunately the justice had had such a horrible record. They were done. Like um, it kind of feels like the, they've fallen into a meta that works and they're taking yeah. full advantage of it. Kind of, but I've always kind of said that always um, that the players that the justice kind of signed over the, the last bit, like individually, like they have accolades, like arc was part of a very successful New York team. The very first season. Right. So, so when he went to, to the justice, like it was meant like, you know, they were lauding him as like the new leader. He's going to anchor this whole new team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Stitch and January, we know very, very well. So I don't need to talk about those guys. Aim God did, surprisingly well for a pretty bad Boston team last year. Right. And then Tuba is their rook. Their one kind of weak spot was Roar. And well, and, and there think, you go, right? I think it was in the weekly up, uprising discord where when it, when it was announced that Decay um, was starting against the Vancouver Titans, uh, someone in the discord was like, oh my God, that's like a double upgrade for the justice. Roar's not playing and Decay finds a way in. So... Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so on board this justice train. I'm driving that bandwagon. I'm, I'm buying their tickets for Korea or wherever, yeah. wherever they are. Like, see you there. Yeah. I don't think um, either. Yeah. I think they'll come out of this loser's bracket, to be honest. Yeah. It, it it's just surreal. Like the, yeah, their, their it, only it, challenge was one against the shock who are top tier like this. The 12th seed in NA. Yeah. It, it is unbelievable. And if they make it to Korea, can they not sign other free agents? No. Can you imagine know. if someone picked them in a bracket? No. All the okay. brackets are done. The only the only reason that they would have to be able to sign another player is if one of theirs currently could not travel, um, either due to visa issues mm. or gotcha. you know, quarantine problems. Um, but yeah, it, Maybe maybe someone needs a Soman Sue as a Zarya and you know suddenly has quarantine issues, these issues. Uh, let's go over to the Asia bracket here. Uh, so the Asia bracket uh, is structured differently because again fewer teams. So in the first playoff round, again a knockout round, uh, the Chengdu Hunters beat the London Spitfire three one. Now Chengdu had, again is another team that sort of found this meta. The difference, however, is they found the meta last meta. Because they then went up against the New York Excelsior, and while they yeah. put up a hell of a fight, uh, the New York Excelsior beat them three two, and then the uh, Hangzhou Spark took on the Seoul Dynasty and got three overwatched. So both uh, Chengdu and Hangzhou got the uh, the see you later treatment. That left us with the Shanghai Dragons taking on the New York Excelsior and the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Seoul Dynasty. The Shanghai Dragons beat the New York Excelsior 3-1, and the Seoul Dynasty beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. So the New York and Guangzhou will play next to fight their way through the loser's bracket. Meanwhile, the Shanghai Dragons and Seoul Dynasty, uh, they will play and then uh, go in. Whoever wins that gets themselves their ticket booked to wherever in Asia. And uh, the loser has to play the winner of the Guangzhou Charge New York Excelsior with the winner of that also making the trip. If one of those teams actually needs tickets at all, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They might just ride the bus. But I, I mean, the Soul Dynasty, just when you think, you know, you got them written off, they go undefeated in the playoffs to date. Well, arguably, they were they were looking like a bottom tier team. I think I want to say I saw power rankings that had the Vancouver Titans ranked ahead of the Soul Dynasty in a few places. Ooh. Like hard to obviously compare because yeah. of how the two regions have operated. But when they tried, like, people were trying to combine them. Soul didn't look so good. Yeah, last last meta wasn't uh, good for them. It's kind of like they're uh, them in Guangzhou flipped the script. Yeah, that's uh, so weird. Like, really, the only consistent team in that Asian region has been the Shanghai Dragons. Yeah. Even if Seoul wins, I don't see them three owing Shanghai though. That's going to be a one a good yeah. match. But I, I I think if there's one one you know grudge match to watch i guess the other one would be fusion fusion shock but like i think shanghai and Seoul, i would argue still had the best match of the season thus mm-hmm. far mm-hmm. um i know a lot of people are you know recency bias talking about the shock fusion game but uh this this one's in, this one's going to be more interesting than than you'd think because it's a 1v5 
So let's uh, stick in the Asia bracket and give us some predictions. First match, Guangzhou Charge, near Kick Saucier. Who's coming out of that? Like, honestly, with star power, I always want to vote for New York, but I feel like New York's primed for disappointment yet again. They did not look great versus the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, charge didn't quite look good against bad. the Dynasty, though. No, yeah, but the charge, I, I don't know. I'm going to pick the charge. So that's who I would pick. It's a toss-up, but I'm tossing it slightly but, towards the charge. But, but now, having done this pick, I kind of feel like New York's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> you know the point of picking is to lock it in, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, I'll well, go New York. Whatever. So okay, well then I lose th- uh, two to three. So uh, New York comes out of that. Uh, Shanghai Seoul. Yeah. Who's uh, who's winning this one? S- Sam, I think you were leaning towards the uh, Seoul Dynasty in a close fight. No, I was saying it's not going to be a beatdown. Oh, <laughs> but but the dragons go through. Uh, that. I, I don't want to disrespect the dragons again. Yeah, yeah. Dragons go through. Dragons Bonnie? go through for me as well. Yeah, and I have I had I have the dragons going through. So that means Watch you have... get swept swept <laughs> by the dynasty now. I mean, so dynasty for a reason, right? Yeah, so we think that the uh the dynasty will be taking on the Excelsior. Hmm. So who's coming out of that to to go into the grand finals with Shanghai? Ooh. I'll tell you, I, I'm based on what I've seen. I'm leaning towards the dynasty, which is going against pedigree, but the dynasty seem to be washing injustice in it up. I'm gonna keep it on Shanghai. Well, no, no, Shang, Shanghai goes through. You've already you've won. Shanghai won. We're talking about the final loser bracket match. Oh See, yeah, it's sorry. so confusing. Um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go Seoul. No, <laughs> I'm gonna go Seoul, but it's it's nothing more than a. Oh, yeah. I think I think it'd be good for the game for Seoul to to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, just the overall game of Overwatch if, oh. if they're one of the top four. So maybe it's already been scripted by the developers. Hell yeah, maybe they'll, re- re- they'll release a new patch with a the Genji road to profit goes through profit. Kr production. <laughs> okay, so then that has uh, Shanghai and Seoul finding their way into the grand final. Let's jump back to NA, because again, that's so uh, logical to do. Uh, you've got the Atlanta Rain taking on the Florida Ma'am. Who wins that match? I don't really care. Well, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you gotta matter. pick you gotta pick some. Um right? yeah, Florida. Okay. Yeah. I, Florida. I was gonna say Florida. Cool. Uh, Valiant Justice. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. So we then have the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the San Francisco Shock. Who's going to come out of that one? Shock. F it. I'm going to say Philly. See, I was going to say Philly too. Yeah. I think th- I think San Francisco needs to lose to actually win. But the craziness <laughs> about this is in losing to possibly win means that San Francisco is going to have to face the Washington Justice. Do... Justice ain't losing to the shock twice, right? Because I'm I'm already presuming the justice are getting past the mayhem, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how hard are we riding this this uh, yeah. the cage train? So so you now have the justice versus the shock. It's so it's so awkward. Like okay, here let's we I think we all agree the justice are going into that final loser bracket match. Yeah, do they beat the fusion? Yes. Do they beat the shock? I I feel there's like a rock, paper, scissors thing here. I think they beat the fusion, but they lose to the shock. But I also think that Philly is better than the shock. So there's kind of like a weird. <laughs> this, this, this triangle, like we're currently. So yeah, yeah, what you yeah, yeah, happening yeah. is you have the shock and the fusion that go through, right? By, by the math and how the games are currently structured. I'm not doing math on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing algebraic con- uh, con- <laughs> math. It's more like a Pythagorean uh, triangle here. Look, 
if the Washington Justice wanted to make this easy, they would have never beaten the Vancouver Titans. And failing that, they would have never actually then gone through and, uh, you so know. We, we were the gatekeepers, really. Yeah, beat the Dallas Fuel as, as handily as they did. But, um, yeah, it... I, I'm on the, I'm the justice train here. This, like I asked this question on RSP, like what team are you, you sort of following? I'm following the Washington justice. It's, it's just, it's a fun ride right now. Hey, maybe we just lost to the, you know, to the champion. Yeah, and by Sam's logic, that means the Vancouver Titans finished second in the league. It's just times, like last year. Two yeah. times in a row. Nothing really like two times silver then. medalists. Yeah. Uh, losing to the eventual grand champions. All I know is this weekend is going to be exciting. Um, for those keeping score at home, uh, this weekend is the last weekend of Overwatch League action uh, until the Grand Finals take place. There will be a break in between. But don't worry, we'll remind you and recap all that, what that means next week. What other news is going on in the world of the Overwatch League? Well, uh, a friend of the show, and we say friend of the show because he's just a fabulous guy, and Dante, he joined the Hangzhou Spark as an assistant coach for one match. But... Uh, I am happy for Undante. And again, if you've you've not been a longtime listener of the podcast, when we had the opportunity to interview the Vancouver Titans, Undante came and spoke to us. Like he he didn't have to. Like you could I'll tell you right right now, the players didn't really want to be there. They were just doing it because they had to. But Undante, he wanted to have a conversation with us. He genuinely wanted to talk and and he wanted to talk to us about Vancouver. He wanted to talk to us about the Titans, about Overwatch. Like he genuinely just was a good guy. So I'm so excited for him. Yep. Yeah, yeah no, it's great news. Too bad. I'm trying. I'm trying to find him an excuse to bring him on this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, maybe we can cover the spark too. Yeah, we're we're already covering the justice, the defiant, the titans, and now the spark. I mean, hey, ready, set, uh, bandwagon. That's what we are What's now. One more. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. There hasn't really been anything going on in the world of Overwatch. I mean, there's a new competitive season, which for some is surprising them to see me in ladder. Um, I am playing competitive play only to get my placements. It's something I now do. And my SR for tank is up to 1792. I still think gra- you're throwing. That's a good year. <laughs> uh, yeah, a good year. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a grandmaster, uh, uh, junk rat as is, 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 I'm told. That's right. correct. I'm never like I didn't get my uh, DPS uh, placement last year. It's just the DPS queue is so stupid, and uh, I feel so much pressure because I can't play a wide variety of damage heroes. I am truly a Reinhardt one trick, who's now started to dabble in the world of Zarya. You if you actually look at my uh, competitive time this season for tank. Zarya number one, Reinhardt number two. That's the decay, decay how, factor. How the turntables have, yeah, turned. turned. <laughs> it would have been easier to say how the tables have turned, but you're turning. Uh, it's turn an tables. office reference. DJ Omni. <laughs> no, it's an office. Okay, yeah, so I'm not going to explain I didn't, references. I didn't watch enough Office to get these pop culture references from all you Zoomers. For shame. Yeah. But uh, yeah, here we are at the end of another solid episode, one that hopefully you listeners get to hear because of all the technical troubles that we had. There's about six or seven different uh, NA edit production, points. Lena told me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> NA Production has been uh, also hired by RSP, so good sure for and Noah Production. Yeah. Uh, good title for the episode, I guess. NA Production? Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. But uh, any final uh, words of wisdom for all of our listeners having tuned in as long as they have? I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Where did you read that from? A Hallmark card? Or is it and also from the reference? office? Come on. Okay. Tomorrow there's a huge trailer coming up. Oh, oh, Dune. oh, oh, sorry. The did moment you... you, the moment you said that I got it. Is it Overwatch 2? Too late no, now. No, it's no, Dune. No. It's Dune. I, I'm sorry. I'm not in the... Okay. You don't understand... No forgiveness for this. ...how hyped I'm for this. Like, Dune? I didn't play Dune enough. until, I played, until I played the video game. Like, if... I, I, I dropped the link in our speaker. You can actually go in the internet archive and play Dune 2 from Westwood Studios. It doesn't... No. I mean, it graphically, it does not hold up. But, now oh he's my in, God, like, it's... Full, it's a, full damage control. It was a, it was a fun game. I... I, I 
it just it holds up to me. It's the the nostalgia part. It's just like I'm currently rewatching Cobra Kai on Netflix. Oh, that's a great show, right? If great you didn't show. watch Cobra Kai seasons one and two when it was on YouTube originals, it's now over on Netflix. Seasons one and two are there. Season three comes out next year. It's hitting like every nostalgia button yeah. for someone who grew up with Karate yeah. Kid. We will definitely have like a show in the off season that I'm going to discuss TV shows. So. Yeah. I thought but, Dune was a video game. Well, it's based it was, on. It was a book, which you then should a movie. Read. What's a book? Then two video games. <laughs> like Dune, Dune from Westwood Studios is really what introduced the the um, sort of RTS world that we got out of Command and Conquer, which was also a Westwood uh, uh, Studios uh, product. It, it, and then from there, you could argue that it, it helped pave the way for Warcraft and Starcraft and. Yeah, I, I my my history of video games goes as far back as Red Alert, so so there you go. Okay, well it's okay. Then then technically there's some connection to Dune there. So trust me, it's it, I'm old, so I get these references. It's an amazing but, book. Um, the other actually Netflix series that everyone should go and watch is High Score. It's really good. I mean, it, it, it scratches the surface of like video game history, but also hits the nostalgia buttons all in the right places. So, Sam, any final words of wisdom that you can uh, drop, either Dune, Office, or any other reference that I might not get? I'm having to go back on Wikipedia to read video game history now, thanks to you two goons. Yeah. You're welcome. Ah, see that pun I did there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that at, at Add that. it to your list below geography, right? Geography, <laughs> video game history, how to press Q. Yep. Just don't rebind the key and you're, you're, you're solid. But yeah, as we look to wrap this episode up, I am going to ask if you've not already done so, join our Discord, have a conversation, get to learn about uh, people building computers, um, dropping some, you know, silly 13-year-old guy jokes, which is unfortunately true that I laughed at, and other such wonderful conversations about the Overwatch League to get in, it's discord.io slash readysetpwn, or if you go on to social, we're at uh, readysetpwn on Instagram, Facebook, as well as Twitter, and the Discord link is easily accessed there, both in our description and generally it's our pinned tweet or pinned post. If you listen to this podcast and you already subscribe, I'm going to ask you to do us one huge favor. Talk to us, to a friend, like, you know, introduce RSP to uh, someone else. Tell them everything that is there to know about the podcast, the podcast lore, who your favorite host happens to be. If it's Sam, I'm sorry. If it's Omniri, that's better. Um, But the point being is that word of mouth is probably the best way that you can support the podcast. And that can be in any way, shape, or form. It could be talking to friends. It could be, you know, promoting or boosting us on social media, dropping into uh, Discord, whether it's Titans Discord or Defiant Discord or Spark Discord or Just Discord. We're like, hey, these guys talked about this. I think you would see value. And if you're curious as to how to, to possibly even get a clip, I can actually tell you how to mechanize that. It's one thing for Omni Samurai to go and say, hey, we're awesome, or we're horrible. I mean, you might not like us either, but <laughs> why not go and tell other people and let them decide for themselves? Like, again, this is a phenomenal community that we've built up, and if there's one thing that I think I've made clear, probably ad nauseum, all about growing this community even more than it is today. So on behalf of Omni at Omni Stray, Sam at another Sam Chan, myself, Chris at Lightforce, I'm going to sign this magical episode off before any other technical problems pull the plug on us with those two words. Hatch rays. <laughs>